Do you like wrestling trivia? Then check out the five-star match game, the Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. I'm Joe Gagney, and every episode, I grill three contestants with five rounds of power-packed wrestling trivia. We have over 30 evergreen episodes in the archives covering WWE, AEW, Japan, Mexico, and much, 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 much more. Play along at home and check it out today. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. professional wrestling well we like professional wrestling too this is shake them rubs i am jeff hawkins along with a house full of nove <laughs> yes you know we got we got cats we got my significant other we've got kids it's a it's a big full cozy house out it's here it's an arc it's an arc and it's about to rain it you know there's a lot of love in the Casa Della Nova Hawkins. Or it's a cult. It might be a cult. Yeah, we might like, have to the a, I mean, okay, when I say love, it's worship of the dear leader. <laughs> You're a North Korean cult? I like to think of myself <laughs> as, like, okay, so there are several figures through history that I, I think of myself as. Notably David Koresh. Oh, um, Jim yeah. Jones. Big fan familiar, of him. Anyway, let, no, let me ask you. Are you familiar with the Unabomber? Yeah. Am I familiar with you? Yeah, have you ever have you ever heard of him? Ted, uh, Ted yeah. Kaczynski, yes. Yeah, Ted Kaczynski. Yeah, yeah, Thank a you. little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, a little bit of him. Um, and there was this guy uh, wrote some songs, Charlie Manson. Uh, maybe you've heard some of his tunes. And uh, yeah, yeah, but aren't all those guys smart? In, in, in their <laughs> own ways, like I mean, you know, Kaczynski like was an him, Ivy Leaguer, like, so you never know. Like him or hate him, you gotta give him credit. No, no, you do not have to hand it to him. As a matter of fact, you don't, <laughs> you no. go, okay. All right, like we, you're like, sounding like me in college because I was, I was, boy, I was fascinated with Jonestown in college. I, I would make Jonestown jokes every chance I could get. I just, for some reason, I, I, I delved deep into whatever I could read or whatever about the people's temple. Look, here's all I'm going to say, Hawkins. America was founded on freedom of religion. I don't see what's wrong with cults. Well, you know, I could make a joke here that would turn off about 75% of our listeners, so I will not do that at this time. All right, let's head into the wrestling here. A bit of sad news. We will not dwell upon it, but uh, uh, Mike Halleck, a.k.a. Mantar, passing away at the age of 55, also known as Bruiser Mastino. Uh, Other short-lived gimmicks in there. He was a bodyguard for Goldust, I think, for two weeks. And he was also in the original Truth Commission under a mask as Tank. Um, Just during that time when they were just putting goofy stuff. I believe this was the uh, new generation era of WWF. Don't quote me. Famously, half-man, half-minotaur. All not very good. Uh, this would probably be around the time you were starting to like wrestling, yes? Yes, I, I'm definitely familiar with uh, Mantor. And, What's uh, your he... favorite Mantor moment, Chris November? So, I, I have to say, when he came through the curtain the first time and did the arms to the left, 
that just really stuck with me. Like he did the the right. arms coming up. Yeah, let's I, I, I have let's I have a follow. Up. No, hold on, hold on. Okay, I have a follow up question for you. Uh, yes. When it comes to the Truth Commission, were you more of a sniper or recon guy? <laughs> uh I, I'm trying to remember the original leader of the Truth Commission before it was. That was that was, what, was it yeah. Colonel De Beers, the guy who was originally Colonel De Beers, or not? Ooh. I need to look that up real quick. Because boy, those South African gimmicks. Nothing gets over like a good non-South African playing a South African. Uh, so says Rocco Rock in the uh, oh the the uh, oh the something Memorial Tag Team Tournament in WCW where he and uh, he and I think it was Phil Apollo were playing. <laughs> he was playing Colonel Kruger and the other was playing Colonel the Clerk and they were a tag team from South Africa. It was just the worst. Okay, let me see. And Americans, Americans love world news stories like South Africa. So I got you, Truth yeah. and Reconciliation Commission disambiguate. Oh my God, what what is going on with Wikipedia? All right, give me the wrestling one for God's sakes. A professional wrestling stable. Okay, here we go. It was originally in USWA and Tank, who was Bruiser Mastino, Mike Halleck, blah blah blah. Uh, the Commandant. Okay, the Commandant was Robin. Bo Kirk Smith, a South African actor. Oh, so uh, I mean, they, they, this is this is authentic casting. No, oh, yes. Uh, oh no, he was actually an actor, not a wrestler. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Is he in anything I've ever seen? That's the question. Now, this is this is just time wasting, and everybody's yelling at us. But I don't care right now because I'm in a I'm in a Wikipedia. Well, I think world. honestly, what no, people no. are no, what people are yelling at you about right now is that once again you dodged one of my probing questions. Okay. About Recon. I mean, you know, uh, who, who I, carried who? I think wasn't Recon Bull Buchanan. I think so, it was. So you're more of a Recon man. I'm more of a Recon guy. I think. Me too. Me too. Let's see, Recon. I, yeah, I, Recon I did, was I, Bull Buchanan. I was right about that. I liked Bull Buchanan back in the day. Bull Buchanan was actually pretty good, and he was actually pretty good in New Japan too for a very short run. Um, also did not know originally that Mike Halleck is uh, was cousins with PN News. Which, uh, <laughs> boy, that family got the short shrift on gimmicks, didn't they? Yeah, this is like, uh, <laughs> the, this is like a proud family of jobbers. Oh, I just remember, like, they, they paired him. There's a, there was a WWE magazine, I think, or WWF magazine spread with, uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. And, and it was like, I mean, you know, you know, Vince, man, he's just gonna make fun of fat guys. So he was the sloppy fat guy going out to dinner with the uh with the uh connecticut blue blood and uh, oh how how distasteful that this half man half minotaur half minotaur that, that's just uh, there's a real opportunity missed to right, have minotaur is already several vignettes with the man tour yes yes yeah. I, I mean again it's it yeah, i think it's a beloved gimmick yeah and uh <laughs> yeah I, I hope, honestly, I hope in the future someone takes it up. No, we should not make fun of the dip, though. That, that's no, no. Like me, Mantor is like one of the. I mean, it's kind of up there with like Bastion Booger or something, though. Yes, like, and like, they almost treated him similarly because I because it's funny because no, I'm Bastion on... Booger actually beat Owen Hart, so like th there's actually no kind of comparison there. Well, oddly enough, there were things that I thought were attributed to Mantar that were actually attributed to Bastion Booger because I thought. I thought they made fun of him, like, oh, he hangs out in a field with cows. So I thought they were saying, can you smell him from out here? But it turns out that was Bastion Booger that they were making fun of his smell. 
Uh, you know, it's just the usual stupid what Vince does with these types of guys. So let's move on. Yeah. Reading from the Wrestling Observer, the bloodline angle and trial of Roman Reigns set what is believed to be a first in the 75 or so years that pro wrestling has been on television with the July 7th show from Madison Square Garden is believed to be the first week in history that the number one show for the week in English network television was a pro wrestling show. There have been many weeks where Cable's top show is a wrestling show dating back to the infancy of Cable and oftentimes outside of football season for all. SmackDown nearly did this one week ago, but a NASCAR race beat a .71 to .70. The show did 2,561,000 viewers, but the key number was a .76 in 18 to 49. Biggest number of the week in both English language network television and all of television with 986,000 viewers in 18 to 49 and a 0.59 in 18 to 34. However, it ended up in third place overall in both categories by two Copa Ora Gold Cup soccer games on Univision. Where is, uh, like, this is not even a joking question. Where is, like, the online wrestling community right now with regards to the relevancy of the demo? Uh, um we still put a lot of weight on it or have we cooled off on how much weight we put on it if aew wins the demo they win the demo if smackdown wins the demo it's these stupid fans are are into cinema type of a thing it's very very weird to me i mean it's not weird i was was, yeah i was just asking if there's been any sort of like Kind of leveling out of where this is. So no, no there's no level, there's no leveling out. If if, no. if if WWE has positive news, the AEW fans get very very angry, and if AEW has positive news, the AEW fans get very angry, and the WWE fans come in to make fun of them or something. I don't. Well, know. I gotta ask, what good is the demo? Like, like like I mean, if you can't use it all the time, what good is it any time? But that's a whole different thing. But. Uh, uh, I mean, I put weight in it. I think it matters. I put and some I, weight in it because it no, is, no, no, it is important for setting advertising. It's important for advertising rates. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. And that gets me to my second point here, um, which is uh, I remember some time ago I said, comparing the Usos and the Young Bucks, that I thought that Jay Uso has more of an ability to carry a program than either of the Bucks. And I, I feel really vindicated in watching that segment, seeing what the numbers were. Yeah. I mean, he, he just, he clearly, uh, you know, I mean, they gave him the moniker of main event Jey Uso, but like he clearly has elevated as a character to the point of being like a main event standalone character over the last couple of years here. Um, it's been, I mean, it's been considerable growth. Uh, he, he does he does a good job carrying the scenes when he needs to carry the scenes on, on a number of different times here. And I don't think it's like just happenstance that the bloodline angle keeps popping these really big numbers because I, it, even when I am bored with WWE, which I kind of am right now, and I don't even love, like I'm bored with the bloodline angle, but like when I hear there's another good bloodline segment, that is always on my watch digest. I always do make some extra time, like what I'm going to watch to make sure I watch the bloodline segment because they are consistently good. Uh, I agree. Um, there was an interesting question within the figure four board this week. Um, Give it to me. I want to answer the interesting question. All right. In hindsight now, was beating Cody at WrestleMania the right thing? No. Okay. 
I agreed with you. There are some people that said yes. And I was like, no, that's that's ridiculous. That's a short no that actually doesn't need more. Because we could still be doing this program right now with with Roman not having one of those titles. Literally, there's there's nothing that's happening right now that couldn't be happening with Cody Rhodes as champion. And Cody Rhodes should be champion right now. And it's intriguing. And like Roman... Roman's intrigue as an actual singles champion is waning, like in terms of the matches. You know, they're they're good matches, but like we've seen every iteration of the Roman's Roman Reigns match at this point. There's just nothing else to do. All in and all out are on back to back weeks. All in and all out will also be pay per views on back to back weeks. Chris. Looks to be like, how much are they? They're gonna be like sixty a piece. I believe they are going to be sixty dollars a piece. Well, that that's commitment, baby. There is going. There is a rumor that you might be able to get a package deal, uh, but that has not been confirmed yet. Uh, I am I'm going to be very interested in the uh, line of demarcation. Uh, uh, in terms of the rosters, if anybody's doing double duty, because my my feeling right now is that the Wembley show is going to be dynamite and that the show in Chicago is going to be punk and his collision crew. I have no, uh, I have, I have no feelers out to anybody if that's true or not, but that is an interesting test of their audience and base. And it's even more interesting due to this story from fightful select Warner brothers discovery sources confirmed to spiteful select that one of the major proposals from their end to all elite wrestling, as it relates to an extension is the subject of pay-per-views or if you're WWE premium live events, events, Specifically, a WBD source told Fightful that they mentioned the very likely possibility of significantly expanding the AEW pay-per-view schedule even to one a month. We're told that this is something that Warner Brothers Discovery has wanted. We aren't sure on if those would be standalone or including the max streaming deal as WWD sources would not elaborate on that. AEW has already expanded their special event schedule, adding Forbidden Door last year and AEW All In this year. However, there have been no broadcast plans revealed as of yet, although I just updated that. Nothing in the deal is finalized to our knowledge, and this could change. Uh, Chris? I I just don't think that... AEW can support a once a month $60 a pay-per-view model. Uh, I think the price point would have to come down considerably. Um, people ain't got it like that, especially not wrestling fans. 60 bucks is a ton of money. I agree. I, I, I agree. I just, and also, I mean, like once a quarter, once a quarter. Okay. But I even think they're like maximizing the price point on that. I would argue. Um, and they might be able to, I think they could lower the price point, probably balance out the buy rates and even come out slightly ahead. Like I think they might be having it too high right now, but I, I just cannot imagine a scenario where they do a once a month thing with their numbers being consistently under a million viewers for their flagship show right now. And they don't just basically wear that base out. Cause I mean, here's the other thing. Then you're stacking 60 times 12 and you're comping that to WWE network, which is like what? 1399 a month. Yes. Something Uh, like that. And you can even do an annual package. And I think like they, they were like, practically giving it away at one point yes uh, during christmas january type of thing yeah you can get it for like 4.99 a month or something like that if you bought it yeah 
I, I mean, it. I don't know, man. Uh, for standalone pay per view versus the library plus uh, all the live events and everything like that, I, I, I think AEW needs to. I, if I were them, I mean, we're talking conjecturally, but I, I would not consider the monthly pay per view model any further. I think uh, I, I think the criticism that Ring of Honor pay per views, if you include in that, that already gets them up to ten when nobody watches Ring of Honor pay per views for the most part, other than a very dedicated ten to twenty five thousand, maybe, is bogus. I think it would make Tony Khan's booking even lazier. And I already think he's kind of lazy in his builds to pay-per-views. He Look, he's a great matchmaker. If you give him three weeks to build, it's going to turn into WWE with 50-50 booking. Somebody beats somebody one week, somebody beats somebody the next week. And then we go to the pay-per-view and we rinse and repeat. I, I, I'm not a big bi-monthly, fan of WWE. Bi-monthly month month. Might, yeah, bi-monthly might tighten them up. I think maybe yes. they and out to six and like that would tighten up Tony's storytelling week to week a little bit so that the shows have a little bit more narrative push but I like the four or five now Chris I just wish they do more as opposed to announce everything a week or two before the pay-per-view I like it but I find that programs have a lull usually in between like this Adam Cole MJF thing is so holding pattern to me and is a thing I've come to associate with this quarterly rhythm Mm. well a memo went out this week to AEW talent saying that they need permission from coaches to do the following moves out of a need for safety. Spots and bumps on the ring apron and outside, table ladder chair spots in and out of the ring, and they're only allowed with padding. Any elevated spots outside of the barricades, dives and ladder spots on stage, around the arena, and other places outside of the ring. All pile driver tombstone variations, including sit-down drivers, inverted poison huracarana, and vertebrakers. High-risk dives or top rope moves. Intentional bleeding of any sort, not just blading, throwing people into through over ring steps, commentary table, bell table, or guardrails, barricades, any weapon usage, including chairs, pipes, kendo sticks, hammers, ring bells, bats, chains, etc., thumbtack, skewers, barbed wire, and other sharp puncturing objects, powders, aerosol sprays, or liquids, throwing any objects, choking or strangling with hands or a weapon or hanging spots, injury spots or angles. Any physicality in the crowd or crowd brawling, any physicality involving referees, managers, extra celebrities, or special guests. Also, I, I, I don't have this on this list, but I remember seizures are also something that need to be cleared through a coach. Um, Interesting. I guess someone may have taken some liberty in planning a match or something to that effect, or they're just trying to cover their butts so that they don't, uh, so that uh, people just don't decide to do things willy-nilly chris do you have any thoughts on this yeah like i i am legitimately interested on what the prompt was for all of these new edicts coming down right it's very it's a safety it's thing very because no, they've it's also very done like going is, is my thought i mean like yeah. when i heard like all top rope moves. I'm like, oh, okay, Bill Watts. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I made like, that like, joke on Twitter. I go, Bill Watts from 92 has entered the chat. Yeah, like, I'm just like, all right, all right. No going over the top rope. Like, I, think, I think it's I think it's twofold. I think, I think it's number one, to prevent stuff like the MJF throwing the uh, 
I think it was vodka on a child type of thing. And I think there's, I think since there's been a rash of injuries in, uh, in AEW, they're just making sure that a performer who is more than willing to do one of these moves actually has the talent slash capabilities to do it, I think, and do it safely. And that the other person taking the move knows how to take it because you're getting, and you're seeing this a lot now with wrestlers who have a language barrier in the ring, especially let's say uh, someone working with the luchadors who like to do a lot of uh, high risk stuff. Um, I get this need for safety and I get that a lot more people in wrestling are now getting more and more injured. I just think it's more of a, they're taking far too many high risks on a week to week basis type of thing. Right, no, I, I mean, there, there are some of these moves that I do think need to be pared down substantially, like the poison Rana's, the apron spots, like those have been in excess they are done to limited effect oftentimes in the middle of the match uh you know like look if someone's finisher was a poison rana that'd be legit but like right now people i i don't transition it's a transition spot like and it's a very very risky transition spot the the stuff about the pile driver kind of cracks me up because it's like i mean yes theoretically it's dangerous but it's also <laughs> like one of the safer moves like if done correctly a, a, a real know. pile driver is a very safe move right right uh, exactly. a tombstone pile driver yeah there's some there's some risk there but all i could also think of was also back around 92 93 was the smoky mount angle and they've done this in other territories where they banned paul orndorff from using the pile driver and let us let us never forget that at one point Jerry Lawler's pile driver caused cancer. Yes. <laughs> one of my favorite angles in professional wrestling of all time. Although of interest, Kenny Omega this week gave a give a uh, interview to Sports Illustrated, and they actually addressed the uh, Tiger Driver ninety one that uh, uh, everybody was criticizing with Will Ospreay in that match. And how it looked like, I think, uh, was it Kenny landed on his head, I think, on that one? And they were like saying, why are you doing that at this point in the match or whatever? Uh, his quote, don't tell Mike Tyson how to box and don't tell Tyson Smith how to wrestle. You aren't even close to being qualified. Just shut the F up. Uh, okay, but I've also like absolutely watched this guy on that chiropractic YouTube channel and talking getting about hammered, <laughs> getting hammered and talking about how completely busted up his body is. So, you know, okay, I mean, yeah, like, no, I haven't ever done it. But if I, yeah, I do have like a separated shoulder, I like look at this guy, I don't know, they would want to do that. And if I has that much wear and tear on my body, I guess I would be thinking about the deployment of those spots a little bit more judiciously he can do whatever he wants um he's also not mike tyson (laughs) no no he is not uh brian pillman jr's contract not renewed with aew but of real interest later this week brian pillman jr was at the wwe performance center doing some training chris is there any chance at all that wwe decides to pick him up um maybe to fill out the nxt roster uh i don't necessarily 
see him soaring all that high. He's got a good look. I mean, I guess if he could figure out the promo thing. I think uh, Impact is the place for him. Because Impact yeah. will give him those reps on yes. the promos. And they'll give him the reps in the ring. And then if he can, you know, put it all together, both AEW or NXT would be a good landing spot after a run somewhere small. You know, I mean, you hate to say a national company's small, but Impact is like, you know, yeah. off, off of a lot of people's radar. Yeah, exactly. No, like Impact, Impact's off the radar. It would give him a chance to, I mean, as a mid-card champion or something like that in Impact, like that's a company that, you know, could support doing that for him. And that might give him a chance to find his sea legs as a solo act. I, I mean, I liked the uh, the Hollywood Blondes or the Varsity Blondes or whatever they I were. I did too. I like Griff Garrison a lot too, and he's not been used either. Um, again, I think there's just a glut of athletic kind of vanilla personality mid-carders in this AEW roster, and they don't know what to do with them. They really don't at times. They go, go out and do a good match, and then they wonder why they just aren't over all the time. And you're like, okay. You know, I think you're starting to see some commander fatigue because all he does is, is, is you know, those couple of really big high spots, and then that's yeah. kind of it. Um, I, I, I mean, he's very solid. No one would say that commander's not very good. He is very good. But someone could be very good and also boring. For example, Dolph Ziggler. Yes. Um, you know, I, I also think once you've seen the big high spot, okay. <laughs> if he does it every right. week, it becomes rote. It doesn't well, become no, right. No, know. there's no character work or characterization or anything behind the big high spot. It, yes. you know, yeah. It's just not, there's nothing to connect to. Ring of honor has a pay-per-view next Friday. There's only one match, uh, announced. And uh, one half of that match can no longer do it. Mark Briscoe, going through an injury, had to pull out of the match. Darn shame, because he was having a heck of a run in AEW as well. Uh, but again, it, it points to, hey, how come we haven't been booking uh, a Ring of Honor pay-per-view match and hyping those up? It was a one-match card so far, and now half that match is out. Feels very UFC a little bit. Yeah, uh, I mean, this is always the issue with Ring of Honor as this like standalone company, you know, from the AEW Empire, uh, or like trying to still keep it going on. I just don't know that there's enough there to support it without basically importing a ton of AEW every pay per view. Yeah, and they already have a lot of those. Like Claudio's your your Ring of Honor champion, for example. Right. Yeah, but I mean, he's in I this mean, big blood and guts match on on Wednesday. It's like AEW to me at this point is like three bizarro lands. You have AEW Prime, which is dynamite. Then you have the Collision Universe. And then you have the Ring of Honor Universe. And there's like some intersection and alignment in the multiverse, but like they don't, the, the universes don't actually ever fully overlap or only very periodically do. Earth 3 Claudio is a good guy, while Earth 1 Claudio is a bad Right, right, yeah, yeah, like, like the the Superman sort of like, yes, you know, bar, uh, yeah, Bizarro stuff, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Jushin Liger will be a special guest for the finals of the Owen. Oh, give me a give me a Jushin in AEW match. Although they just fired Brian Pillman Jr. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, 
see, like Jushin mentoring Brian Pillman Jr. would be great, great yeah. characters and stuff. Like uh, that actually would probably do, go a long way to help get Pillman over because um, people love Jushin. He doesn't have to even say anything. Like, yeah, so he doesn't just, have to do much either. So no, like, he just literally has to come out there and like you know clap and like you know like basically just rev him up and like occasionally be in peril and then Pillman goes to make the save to Liger and of course that is you know will be received beautifully um that to me would actually be a really good deployment of Liger it sounds really weird to say Jushin Liger as manager but kind of there for that yeah uh in a, in a name I never thought would come back to the wrestling world but he is GCW September 2nd the return of Lash LaRue Chris man lash <laughs> he's only gotta be he's like late 40s uh i think so i'll look it up uh you probably know more about lash than i do because yeah was... lash larue of course the tag team partner of lenny lane yes uh, yeah you know um i remember lash larue having matches with jericho back in wcw back in the day lenny lane also had matches with jericho back in the day and like yes in, in, in fairness to Jericho's work with both of them back then, it helped to get both those guys over. Yes. Uh, especially Lenny Lane, who went from being like a jobber to like being an undercarder, right? like like an actual legitimate working undercarder in that company. 46 um, years old. 46, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, why not? If Edge can do it, what what is to stop Lash LaRue from coming back and having the greatest wrestling match ever? Capital. <laughs> well, I'm slow down Capital there, brother. Right? Yeah. Oh, no, no, brother, you slow down. Slow your roll. Uh, no, I I I saw some of Lash. It, it was just he was really getting primed and and becoming a, when he was doing the Corporal Cajun thing, and that was when mm-hmm. I was really getting out yeah. of WCW. I was just like, God, this is all. What is Bischoff doing to my beloved former NWA? mid-atlantic wrestling no i mean even even like the russo stuff for me as a younger person was like i didn't like it because i just wanted them to do like the old school cruiserweight stuff that i liked in 96 and 97 like vince russo just simply had no interest in like a quality match like that like the format that bischoff had settled into and like yeah that era was good for me I'll do it for the news now to the lazy river of wrestling criticism. And my God, there's a lot of lazy river. I'll be even more next week. Cause I didn't even realize this when I was watching dynamite though, there's a battle of the belts this weekend. There's only one match announced for it, but apparently we're doing a battle of the belts headlined by Sean Spears and Luchasaurus. But uh, whatever we watched, uh, be it historical or social media or whatever, whatever uh, we want to comment on the world of wrestling, can do it here. I am going to start this week because I am going to gush once again. My wrestling fandom wants to make babies with uh with Collision. I love Collision. I love this show. It's so well paced for my personal taste. I love that it again it combines the best parts of the two Saturday night shows that I'm used to. Saturday night's main event and 605. The the promos at the top are fantastic. FTR and Jay White and Juice Robinson was a fantastic tag team wrestling match. And it, it, and it got FTR hasn't been this motivated in a long, well, you can't say that because the Briscoes, I can't say that, but I mean, in terms of old Southern style, instead of kind of doing the Briscoes style, uh, this was great. I, I haven't been as high on the bang, bang gang 
as others, but Jay White and Juice Robinson as a team here were fantastic as well. They're doing two out of three falls tomorrow night. Chris, set your DVR, please. I know that you are not a regular watcher of Collision, but please take my word for it. Uh, Punk and Joe was also some, I mean, I, I love grizzled old man Samoa Joe. I compare him to modern day, more athletic Wahoo McDaniel. Well, he'll just, just beat the crap out of you. He doesn't look like he's happy to be there. He just wants to get paid and go home. He's so awesome. <laughs> it's like me. I just want to get paid and go home and sleep on my couch. That's, that's all I want. But uh, yes, uh, collision is, is, is now my new darling. Um, I love it. I, I cherish this show. Um, and I think it sets the right tone for me. It's it's I have to kind of make a couple a little bit because it feels the wrestling style on the show actually feels a little bit more older school as well, as opposed to it feels more like a traditional wrestling show versus dynamite, which feels like they're trying to do a super indie every week. And I just I, I, I found myself this week on dynamite, Chris tuning out until after it came back from the commercial in every match. Because the stuff that led up to the commercial just didn't matter. And it's a little bit how I watch Raw these days, too. That's how I watch both of these shows. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, the, the, and, and this is not a new grievance for me. This has been a complaint that I have had about the commercial break mid match for a long time. It just, it renders all of the art prior to the commercial break utterly meaningless because there's nothing, they don't even do the good stuff until the other side of the commercial break. Like you, you maybe get one good spot at the beginning of the pre-commercial break part. And that usually is to set the table for the commercial break. Um, so then like, why wouldn't I get like 85% of the good stuff in half the time? Uh, I, I just, I, so I'm always doing that. Uh, but you know, uh, I, I think that, I think that's a valid complaint, but I also think that AEW and, and Raw have both suffered from that problem for a long time. And I think it's inherent to the format. Your turn, sir. Um, all right. So I watched AEW Dynamite here. We already, I guess, talked about Commander. Um, I mean, I, I'm with you on the Commander fatigue thing. Like, it, you know, it, it, it really just feels like he's, He's becoming a prelim guy. He went from being a showcase guy to being in the opening match every week to then begs the question, does that not make you a prelim guy? Um, I think half the problem in this match was Chris Jericho. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think Chris Jericho knew which style he wanted to wrestle him with because he was doing part almost big man bully against Commander. You know, the slow plotting, be the big guy. But he also wanted to do athletic like cruiserweight moves I want to keep 20 up years past his he was 20 years past his prime to be able to do somersaults and 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 roll throughs and things like that and it looked like it, he was in slow motion from time to time as well yeah no I I he he his match style does not reflect a knowledge of his uh physical limits I'll put it yes. that way um then I guess uh, I mean the other big sort of storyline here that was kind of like grabbing through this was the Adam Cole and MJF stuff. Um, for me, uh, all the additional characterization isn't making me. Uh, it's goofy, man. Like MJF, yes. like I've never had friends. Like, it, oh, what a, what a cool thing for your world champion to say. Ric Flair had friends. 
paid them with money. Ric Flair definitely had friends. Nick Bockwinkle had friends. He had Bobby Heenan. He had other people he paid with money. MJF being like, I've always been alone my whole life. Like, like it's not, it's, I guess, supposed to be babyface, almost sort of babyfacing, but also, like, now I guess maybe it's just a reflection of my age. When I hear someone go like, um, oh, he's too alone, I'm always like, well, what do you do? Like, what, what, what's the deal with you, buddy? Or person? I think I've gotten some clarity on this um, from watching other programs and lists. Actually, Brian Alvarez said something that started me on this journey. So uh, I'll, I'll go with this. MJF has a lot of input into his programs. And all he's ever watched, to my knowledge, in terms of growing up and stuff like that was WWE. Um, You and I agree that like this program would be fine if MJF were the TNT champion. But MJF is the guy who is the cornerstone of your company. And I understand the thinking here and 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 the best the best angle I think to compare this to is if you remember the Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho best friend angle yeah the list of jericho thing that ended with yeah with the list of ko and kevin owens was the whatever world title raw had at the time but you also knew at the same time that kevin owens wasn't the guy because this was the kind of angle they were doing with him so that probably roman was the champ on the other show at the time so it it's 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 um whimsical and it's eddie haskell-esque and it's comedy and it's you know i fully expect the cole mjf match to be nothing but an eddie guerrero guerrero versus eddie guerrero type match where they're both trying to just cheat each other the entire time to play that for comedy and i don't know if that'll go over as well as people think i think that crowd will eat it up but I think if you sh- if if you're watching that and you're not into the ironic comedy of of that wrestling at that time, um, I don't know. I don't. Again, I agree with you. It doesn't do much for the world title, and I want this world title to actually mean something. I I, I don't. Right. See how it- I, I mean, at a certain point, I, I guess here's my thought about the world title, right? And like this is how it works across all companies, and it, I, I think the world title serves as a meta commentary for the broader company. It is the flagship of the brand that that top program, you know, sort of is like a mission statement of what the company is. And for good or for ill, I think the bloodline storyline, though it is extraordinarily long of the tooth at this point, is an accurate reflection of WWE at its best. They make cinema wrestling brother, uh, and that's what they do. Uh, I, I I think that that was 100% consistent. Uh, I think that MJF as champion, if it is a reflection of AEW as a company right now, I think it really sort of reflects like a bit of the identity crisis of the company. Um, is MJF like Mr. Goodmatch? Um, you know, is MJF Mr. Comedy Yuck Yuck? 
uh, you know, is, you know, like the, the week to week on this is, is sort of inconsistent. Well, it's uh, funny because Punk's over on Saturday doing a Cody Rhodes style show. If Cody and were then, in charge and of then collision, like is CM Punk the champion? I mean, like to to add add even more further confusion, like how legitimately the champion is MJF? Yeah, because Punk's saying I I have you know Great. he's intimating he has a belt with him. So yeah, um, I mean I, he certainly said he's never lost the title right for right. Me. Right. So, I, I mean, I mean it, that that has been ex, that has been explicitly stated. Yes. Uh, it, so like it's like Punk's character in this universe, and thus all of Punk's fans would not view him or, or do not view MJF as like fully champion. Right. And I think that's only compounded by MJF being like, oh, I have no friends. Nobody likes me. I never got to go bowling. Uh, let's stay in the AEW neighborhood for a while. Cause there's a few other points I want to get to. Um, are they paying off this Jericho thing during blood and guts? You think? Cause I have the strong feeling that a- after that Wheeler, you match last week, he wrote something, you know, disappointing, which made everybody think he was injured. I think they're going to, I think it's a work. I think Jericho is still in this blood and guts match after Yuta has to quote-unquote drop out and and Callus needs a guy he can trust in there. And I think he's still Larry Zabisco in 1992. I, I think he blows it for the BCC, and then the BCC beat the crap out of him. Or is this going to be something that they hold on to until after all this stuff is done and it's just kind of a work in progress? In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase 
by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. So I could totally see Jericho pitching that <laughs> Jericho Appreciation Society needs to be turned babyface. Like, oh. Sammy's, already, Sammy's already on his way. People love Daniel Garcia. People love me. They love the bucket hat. Uh, why don't we just turn the whole we'll turn the whole group face uh, and have us feud with the Blackpool Combat Club? Boy, it feels like that a little bit, doesn't it? Although yeah. I think I think maybe Daniel Garcia stays heel and everybody else goes babyface. But right, but yeah, no, I I mean like Hager for his part, by the way, I actually thought did a pretty decent job with his dialogue. Oh yeah, no, I Jake Hager is never going to set the world on fire. But no, I but I thought he did a good job. I thought I, like le- legit, like when I was watching, I was like. That's about as good as I've ever seen Hager do anything. So like that, you know, like that, that's pretty much a level work for him. Uh, and it was totally good. Uh, no, um, I think, I mean, it does kind of feel like Jericho's finding a way to insert himself into this, but as a baby face, ultimately, like that's where we're going with this. Um, Nick Wayne. Yeah. Nick Wayne should have won his first match on TV. If you weren't gonna let him win his first match, I, I look. I trust Swerve me. is a completely beatable guy too, right? Like, like Swerve can eat an L and it doesn't affect anything he's doing. I agree, him. but I, I also just think if you're gonna do the weepy video package to get us all in there, I understand. Trust me, I understand. Oh, this is a long time type story in Japan or in a territory where a young guy comes in and gets beat. He's been wrestling for six years now, guys. If you're going to do this, if you're going to have him lose the swerve in his first big match, I'm fine with that. Give him a squash. Introduce him. You know, have him beat Tony Nese week one just to beat somebody. That's all. I I don't even need you. You you would have him come out here and beat Tony Nese. I would have you go out there and beat Tony Nese week one. Hmm. Well, I mean, that's because you want to you want to put me over strong and get me ready for a quality mid. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, somebody of Tony Nese's level. How about that? Right. No. No. I, Josh I, I, Woods. Um, <laughs> who who are some other lower? T- Aaron Solo would have been fine here. Aaron Solo. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, Chris, I need a musical review of Harley Cameron. Hmm. Mm. What about Harley Cameron? Did you see the rap video? Oh, I did. I watched a bit of that. Um, so my review is that I ended up fast forwarding through it. <laughs> like, she's actually got some musical talent. She has auto tune up the Yazoo, but she's I just I hate that I hate that aesthetic. It, 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 yes. it I mean, I just hate the auto tune thing. I haven't liked it since it came out back when I was, you know, in my late teens or early twenties. It's just it didn't do anything for me when I was younger. 
and time has not changed my opinion on this. This isn't like a, you know, like eating mushroom situation and onion situation where I, you know, mellow it out on these things with age. Uh, I get weird mumble, DMs. Mumble rap will never hit with me. Yeah, I get Mumble weird. will never hit. She actually, you know, it looks like, like even like, I think like Righteous Reg or uh, some of the guys who worked on the Fight Forever soundtrack probably helped writer i mean it, it was really well done for for a especially for a wrestling rap but i mean it, it, there was some effort put into this and i'm sure will washington probably had a little bit to do with it as well um in terms of quality control uh, i just get weird dms it's like hey what do you think of harley cameron she's hot right <laughs> like, yeah but you know like, wow I, I mean that's what <laughs> you know it, in the music business a lot of people are at least five out of tens yeah, uh, yeah it's very wow. it's very calm yeah I, no it's true it's true um i know i hey like Hawkins, talk to me a little bit later i, I know a lot about music i, yeah. I yeah, yeah i'm passionate about it honestly well you know about like no <laughs> i could go there uh yeah i don't have anything else for dynamite you're up um let me see if i've got anything else for dynamite uh yeah, the the Owen Hart the Owen Hart thing was was fine. Uh, look, uh, they're they're doing a fine job building Sky Blue, uh, or making her more than what she's been. But uh, you know, Ruby Ruby Soho, I I think Ruby Soho actually is doing a really nice job as a heel right I now. I actually liked that faking the injury with her face yeah. thing. Yeah, it, I, I bought it. In. I, I, I I didn't, but like I like I like the no future off the top rope. That looked really yeah, cool. Yeah, that looked really yeah, cool. Yeah, no, that, yeah, like that absolutely worked for me. Um, oh, Nakota Abushi like debut. I mean, like yeah, it, I saw it coming a mile away, and maybe it's just like I've been watching it for you know I've been watching wrestling for some time now. But like, man, Kota Abushi like coming just does not have the uh, the zip that it might have had but the golden say. lovers it's such a great story chris uh, i yeah right tell me your favorite <laughs> golden lovers story well there's this one time in japan the, yeah right i know sorry I know. oh god the work rate people are gonna be all in the discord um no i mean here's where I, I, no no hold on okay. hold on. i'll give them their moment right like i recognize that they're like an important tag team in japan or whatever but it's it's just like uh, the the you the fifth the fifth person in this angle should have been used for a debut of someone who's got some more tread on the tires than Abushi. Um, I like Abushi. Uh, I've always I've enjoyed Abushi. We saw Abushi wrestle back in Dallas when uh, we were there in yes. twenty sixteen. Yes. Um, and he's, he's, he's unbelievably entertaining. Yeah. And I saw the gold, uh, but, but he's also, the young books. Yeah. He's also like in his early forties now, right? Yes. Yes. He is. Yeah. So, um, I yeah. just questioned the strategy. Um, <laughs> cause right before they did this angle, they did a, they did a video baggage with uh, Lance Archer. And I'm like, if I am in a double cage blood war and I'm either the BCC or the elite, Give me the six foot seven killer to rub some faces in versus five foot six pack <laughs> or or Kota Bushi who does very athletic things from high places. I just find <laughs> because of modern wrestling indie style. I, I find that the builds for these blood and guts slash war games matches to be ve very, very lacking 
in the strategic aspects of the match itself. Whereas you could get away with this with the horsemen who were all just kick and punch type guys. And you knew, (laughs) and they were fighting other kick slash punch type strength guys who could like lift them into the ca- the the ceiling of the cage because the cage was so low etc and was really something but now in the modern day war games either in the nxt universe you don't even have a top on the top of cage and you win by pinfall or in the in the the, the big drama in blood and guts and AEW is how are they going to get out of the cage to do weird stuff on top of the cage, et cetera. It becomes very much a hell in the cell type of situation. Whereas right. if you watch the original war games type of matches, that ceiling was low and it was impressive when somebody was getting body slammed in. Now, sure. You couldn't do all the jumping and stuff you could, but it made for a much more confined claustrophobic type of fight fighting for your life type of thing. And I thought it made it somewhat better in my estimation. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the problem with a lot of these cage matches is the hell in a cell problem. The mankind McFoley uh, undertaker thing where now everyone feels like the climax of one of these cage matches has to be a top of cage spot. The stipulation isn't enough. It's not right. it's not enough that the point of the cage is to keep you all in there. We need to I, figure I, out a way to do something I, off. I honestly kind of wish that like rather than st- they should start on top of the cage. That should be the match. <laughs> that the match should actually require them to start on top of the cage and then finish the pin with the pin on the inside. Like and the the game is sort of like how are they going to end up in the mat inside the cage? Uh I, that that's the best thing I can kind of come up no, with. No, but, it's, you know, I mean, it's it's a broader point, and I've brought this up numerous times. It's like, you know, when you have a dog collar match and then you're taking out thumbtacks and chairs and tables, it, it becomes very ECW mid-90s type thing where the, where, the, where the stipulation is just kind of a means to do other things in addition to the stipulation, and the stipulation kind of holds no meaning. You're just doing a match. It just happens you have this thing that's a part of it. And it, it really kind of devalued the violence of it. I think in, in some ways where if you kept it simpler and that's why I like, I think that's why I like the punk MJF match so much I, or, or no, it was Briscoe's uh, Briscoe's FDR. Cause I don't think it ever got to anything more than just you have this giant chain and you can hit them with them. Um, yeah. I don't have anything more for dynamite. No, no, I, I, we've now at this point talked about everything on Dynamite. Okay, um, your turn. All right, so like, let's move on to uh, NXT here. Okay, I did uh, not watch it, but uh, you can tell me some things from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the, your your pal Kalani Jordan had another match. Uh, she's now being mentored by Dana Brooke. Um, huh. Okay. Yeah, uh, she had a match against Core Jade. Uh, I thought she looked. She did look sharp at various points in the match. Um, okay. I mean, she she had a couple of I want to say like nice suplexes. Like the 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 form looked good on those. Um, she's obviously better at the gymnastics part of this than the wrestling part of it, but she shows promise. Um, they had Cora Jade beat her, which is baffling to me. Um, but uh, it, it, like, and you know, I mean, she still she still got some I mean, some issues to work out, but uh, I thought that that was uh, that was an interesting interesting choice. Um, and then later on, I'll I'll do one other one here. Um, Tiffany Stratton and Ivy Nile uh, just did not hit. It, oh, it, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Un- unfortunately, unfortunately for me, it was it was just not quite there. 
the only thing I, I saw, I saw clips from the uh, Chase U versus um, uh, Charlie Dempsey and, and Drew Gulag where Thea Hale got the arm lock on Gulag. And I go, Mike, just, just give me these people every week in something wacky and I'm happy with. with I know. I, I just don't understand why Duke Hudson remains the baby face and like <laughs> Dempsey and Gulak are heels. It seems to me like Chase, Chase, Gulak and Dempsey are like the most natural unit in the world. And Duke Hudson's never made any sense in any of this. In internal communications, by the way, um, Baron Corbin is now full time on NXT. Are you liking uh, what they're doing with him? Uh, n- n- no, I mean, it, like <laughs> he's in the woods, apparently going for like Sprite fairies or something. <laughs> no, there's like, your cult again. Your, right. And your that, cult again, of nature. Well, right. And again, we, we talked about views about these things, uh, but we don't need to revisit that. Uh, I, I just don't. I mean, Baron Corbin has gone through so many identity crises at this point, and I mean, what do you want? What like what will we do with him? Make him the mid card champion? Like I, like that's to me like the maybe the most useful thing you could do with him. Even even as a placeholder NXT champion, beating Baron Corbin would mean nothing for some young up and comer. He's Baron Corbin. Um, I I know he's made a lot of money in WWE. Yada yada blah blah blah. But like beating him, you know, him as a top champion would do nothing. I guess he could be useful as a mid card champion, or maybe as a tag champion for the company. For like well, right the- now, you're beating your champion with Finn Balor coming down there and beating uh, Carmelo Hayes on the- <laughs> every week. Well, like the 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 idea that the, the thing that kills me is it's called Trick Mellow. Like Trick comes first. Yes. What like what kind of sense has that made? God. The- Yes, like, I, I it agree. Makes Mello almost feel like Trick's sidekick at some points. Yeah, that feels that feels like almost Vince uh, sending a memo: build up this Trick guy because he's the tall one, and that's who I want. Type of a thing, and it gives you kind of pause a little bit. Yeah, you got you got the tall one, and you got the short one. I'll tell you who's great, and I, I did. I, I watched clips of this one. Uh, like I said, I didn't watch the show, but I watched clips. Ilya Dragunov is awesome. Oh yeah, dragon. Oh, off oh, oh no, 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 no. I, I, okay. So this is where I was gonna go next. Um, that match was actually like, look, I, I've been down on an XT, and I do generally kind of like work the speed button on this. I started. I was like, let's see how this one goes. Um, this is actually pretty sweet. And like, Breaker hits this spear on Ilya Dragonoff that like. It, it it it's it's yes. it's a it's just a top notch spear. It's so it looks so. He might have the best spear in wrestling, dude. I mean, Breaker's good. I know his name is stupid. I hate like that he's Briacker, but like, uh, son of Steiner, uh, you know Frankensteiner Junior. Like, I'm into this guy. No, I wish they'd make him a Steiner. <laughs> I mean, they made right? him a badass, but you know. Just make him a Steiner, for God's he, sakes. He is he is like a Steiner and Goldberg combined. Yes. And it rules. Like, he's good. Uh, and he's even a good promo, especially when he's, like, a little more ramped down. He he has he has an ability to do a more de- a subdued thing that neither his father nor his uncle could do. Yeah. No, I, I agree. He's far, like he's far, I mean, he's... he's... 
like Rick and Scott were so into the vitamins. Like Rick was never, Rick was never a agile type. He was just, he was pure power. He, he, he was a lot like one of his first tag team partners, Buzz Sawyer. I mean, that, that's, Scott was really the good Lord. You see what he's doing at that size in terms of that. And, and Braun blows him away in terms of athleticism. Oh my, my God, dude. No, I know. Like, and like, yeah, Scott could do some things, but like Braun's got a, a lot of power. And Braun's it, an evolved version of Scott in yeah, so many it, ways. Right. Well, but, but like also with some of the, like the power distribution of Rick, like there's something very Rick in like, uh, the way he uses his power and less Scott-like. Um, but th- then the mobility is just like off the charts, dude. He, he breakers really good. Dragon off is a lovely foil for him. Um, like that, that match was actually legitimately good and is actually worth your time in my opinion. Um, and then, and then the fate of Tony D'Angelo, uh, <laughs> oh, people, he, I know, it's play for Oscar season. But Tony D and Mackenzie Mitchell had uh they managed to run an emotional gamut that I have not been on since the last time I viewed Citizen Kane. Let, let me let me cut much. you off real quick. Okay, Mackenzie please. Mitchell is great. I, I don't care what anybody says. Mackenzie is one of the best Dasha bots they've ever had back there in terms of actually doing give and take. Because she actually almost treats her job a little bit too seriously at times, but she's fantastic. I love her. Uh, continue. Well, it felt to me as though this was not actually taped live in any way, shape, or form. Mackenzie did her part, and then D'Angelo did his part. Uh, and uh, yeah, D'Angelo, you could feel his heart breaking in that promo. It hurt me, Jeff. <laughs> I have nothing else to say. I just, it's okay. This is no, I, I, I mean, you know, that's, that's they have, all. they have criminals running all around NXT and the one they get is Tony D. Unlike I, Rico. I love, I love the idea that if Stax loses the match, Tony D goes to trial like that, that it's, that's like an all time stipulation for me. I am frustrated, Chris. I'm going to go to the main roster right now. Oh, good. That that'll easily take the edge off. <laughs> I love Imperium. I love them as a stable. When they didn't bring Giovanni Vinci up at first, it felt like a Vince call because Vince, he has his predilections. He doesn't like bald guys at times. He, everybody, well, what about Steve Austin? Look, he was the ringmaster before he was stone cold and making Vince money. All right. It feels like they're going to either turn him or send him back to NXT. But even more so, let's go into this. The NXT people who were drafted in the 2023 draft, with the exception of Zoe Stark, are doing nothing. Zoe looks good, though. Yes, I'm, when Zoe, she's not Zoe, breaking noses, she looks great. Yeah, <laughs> but she's yeah, in I'm, a good position. She's in a good position. I, I just, I mean, I do. I just but, think. but let me go through these people. Yeah. Alba Fire and Isla Dawn. Just absolutely. I mean, look, they got uh, they had a pretty good match with Ronda and Shayna. I gotta admit, Isla Dawn over delivered in that match. Uh, but they're nothing on SmackDown except the spooky witch team. 
Uh, Indy Hartwell, nothing on the main roster right now. Apollo Crews, nothing on the main roster right now. JD McDonough, they have a vignette once every so often, and they and they teased him joining the Judgment Day, and he's not in there yet. Uh, Zoe Stark, as as said before, she's doing fine. She she's teamed with Trish. She's looking good. pretty deadly. I thought they'd be money on the main roster. I thought this this thing this is a tailor made team to get over on on the main roster. Nothing right now. Katana Chance and Caden Carter. Nothing. Cameron Grimes. Nothing. Uh, I, I was watching SmackDown before he went to air. Grayson Waller is floundering because he's doing. And he gets he gets killed by Edge, and now he's doing a calling out Legends gimmick because he called out The Rock, and The Rock ain't doing much. You know, isn't going to come up and, and and fight him. And and his he was on um he was on the headset, and really, I mean, all that charm that you saw in NXT has been produced out of him. Into sheer nothing. They're they're doing vignettes and beers coming again, pretty much. Odyssey Jones, MIA. Um, oh wait, wait, wait! When's Veer getting here? <laughs> no, they 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 did an end share promo on Raw, so it looks like they got they got switch. I mean, they're gonna bring oh, them my. in and with you know with uh uh oh god, how do I forget his name? Punjabi Prison. Oh oh man, okay, one well, Punjabi Prison classic cage match format too. Oh, oh yeah, the, the, the guy Greg Holly, Greg or no Ginger Ginger Mahal. Never mind, mm. Ginger Mahal. That's my fault. Okay. But, but, but yeah, Ginger Mahal, Sangha, and Veer are our mm-hmm. unit, and it's gonna, they're gonna play the evil foreigners type of a thing. But Bro, why me, did we bring all these guys up, and now now there's nothing? They're they're not doing anything with any of these guys, and it, it's I don't even think Odyssey Jones has been seen. If I was Cameron born. Grimes, I would be hoping I can someday get released, um, because I could go to Tony <sighs> and pitch. A hey, bring me in as the mysterious millionaire who's going to challenge MJF. Like MJF's out there talking about this money, and then you have like three weeks of vignettes of, of like of some big money guy coming in, and then you debut Grimes on there. Cameron Grimes was on TV for a couple weeks, got the big win over Baron Corbin, and then nothing. And he's been floundering because because they're just well, creative has nothing for you. Creative has nothing for you. Creative has nothing for you. It's like this to the moon. I am flustered at what is going on. Either Pritchard or Vince look at him and go, well, look at him. He's too small to be a star. No. And then like, there was like, he was too hairy and scruffy. Like the whole so thing. They, so they shaved him up. Yeah. De Vive, it, they, they, they wanted to take away or like go and wax. And it's like, dude, that's not who this guy yes. is. They they cleaned up the caveman gimmick, so to speak, or and the hillbilly gimmick. They brought him out there, and he just looks like a dude. Yeah, and they won't let and they won't let him do his to the moon type of thing or or whatever. He's just a wrestler with a plain look, and of course they're they're going well. Look at how plain he looks. He's not a star. It, it's so because right, well, he wrestles in like black tights. If you don't let him be a character. It's not like, no, it's not, it, nor should he be wearing like purple money tights or anything like that. Like he, he's always been doing the black, he, the black on black look. Uh, he is a character and a guy who gets by through his personality. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. It's just like, yes, yes. 
it, it, it's it's frustrating, and this is definitely a guy I could see in the other company being absolutely of service to the main event program just very easily. He's a natural foil for MJF. You have the Southern money man versus the Northern money man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of the uptight Northern guy and like the kind of fun loving carefree, you know, Southern guy. Uh, yeah. I think that could be a lot of fun. All right. I got my piece out your turn, sir. Um, you got your, you spoke your piece. I spoke uh, my piece. I spoke my truth, Chris. Piece. I know, I know. Well, I mean, they just they just don't get it. Uh, I think it's great that Tommaso Ciampa lost the Miz, so that's cool. Not only uh, that, but they brought it back Bronson Reed and again. just said, "Here's a guy." Um. Yeah. yeah uh, you know, uh, you gotta, they made him, they you made gotta him give credit for rehabilitating Judgment Day over the last six months. Yes, and they're, they're, and they're in, they are in a much better place. They're a credible stable, uh, and dominant. that's all Dom. For the most part, although don't and get me Rhea, wrong. Henry, don't sleep on Rhea. Rhea, Rhea's no, got Dom, got Rhea, and Priest yeah. all have they yeah. all they all have legitimately separate personalities other than Judgment Day. Yeah, no, there, there, there's definitely there's definitely some swag here. Yes, uh, yeah, and outside of that, uh, you know, I don't have a lot more to say about. I still can't believe they haven't done anything with Pretty Deadly. I'm just that makes me angry. Almost, because who did they team him team them with when he first came up? This is the problem. Like, and and I mean, this gets to I I was saying earlier about how like your top program or whatever is like a meta commentary on your company. This is like a critique I would have of WWE in allocating every freaking belt that you own more or less to the bloodline storyline angle for the last two years. I know that Owens and Zayn are now the champions, but they have to stay the champions for a while as sort of the off ramp out of the bloodline storyline. Um, like, like that's, that's, you know, like we're on the off ramp for the bloodline thing. Still, you've had every be- title belt tied up. Also, what was the logic? I mean, ultimately in consolidating both the tag belts and both the singles titles on a, like you have like raw and SmackDown titles, you have raw and SmackDown tag titles, either completely consolidate them and just have one pair of belts at this point. Or like, why would you even have like someone lose just the raw like singles title? Yeah. Um, it's it, i mean it's almost like okay that part of the bloodline thing has passed but we don't want to split up these titles right kind of want to get the we want to get but we want to get the tag titles off the usos to get that away from it but we don't want to split those up after that and then they've created this worthless seth rollins title yes uh, right this is <laughs> like the title for being seth rollins is yes yes like. yeah yeah this is like the seth rollins world heavyweight championship go out there do your laugh and have them sing along that, that's all it is. That's all the Seth Rollins program is these days. Oh, um, yeah, I got nothing else. You got anything? Um, I don't. You could call it the loser way title, though. Jeez. <laughs> oh, uh, this has been Shake Them Ropes. Next week, Shake Them Kids? No, that sounds terrible. Oh, no, no, no. Kids it, Them Ropes? Wait, we don't. Oh, oh, so now we've turned against Shake Them Kids. Oh, that's problematic. Well, I just, I just find, uh, you know, people, uh, Jeff, Jeff, you know, the children who are shaken suffer brain damage. Oh, that's, that's what the doctors (laughs) on the big newspaper medias are saying. But like, all right, that's fine. Next week, yes, we are having not one, but two special guest reviews. Yeah, two. Yes. 
That's that's two. It's the one, number after one. They've been dropping them all week. Uh, we, we're up to like five or six at this point. But we're going to have two guest reviewers here, uh, and they are going to be reviewing Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero Halloween Havoc 1997 in honor of Kevin Owens' shirt. And also Sasha versus Bailey from TakeOver 2013. Is memory serves or was that 2014? Uh, I think it's a little later. I think it was 2014, I think. 2014. But, uh, okay. but anyways, these are these are children we are trying to uh, bring into the cult of wrestling. <laughs> Yet another I don't cult. even know that. I just think I think they're going to give us some quality content. And, okay, uh, yeah. They, they, they like the microphone, so it'll give them a chance to talk into and, it. And so Chris doesn't have to watch a lot of wrestling this week. Right. No, <laughs> and here's, here, I mean, like this gets to a running theme of mine, which is why should I, a... <laughs> Learned, educated, great adult have to do work when children could do it for me. Well, that's what my parents said when I had to mow the lawn. It's like, why don't I have to mow the lawn? Well, that's why we had kids. I, I mean, like, okay, <laughs> like if you think about it, Hawkins, right? Like, how many kids do you really need to maintain a house? I the number I've got based on my calculations is about ten. Um, you know, obviously they can't do everything, but you can trade. You make little tradesmen and tradeswomen out of the children. Mm. And next week, Chris will tell me how babies are made. You can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen. Okay, you can follow you find out about that. Just stay. We'll, we'll talk for a few minutes after. Uh, this. I don't think we should. No, no, we can. We can. We can talk. Uh, about you can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes, all one word. Uh, quick plug from me. I did Music of the Mat that was released this week. Me reviewing Terry Funk's Great Texan with Andrew Rich. Chris, it was not a country album. It was, was more it? of a. It was more of a kind of um, late stage disco type of album at times oh my god really there's a lot of japanese synth slash jazz players on this and it's almost like r&b slash yeah uh look it up on youtube or actually there there were in the show there's actually a lot of japanese session players on disco tracks back in the day yes well yeah listen to the show you'll get some uh you'll get some of the tracks on there uh chris is or no I, let me do my other show oh, oh yeah <laughs> i'm oh, on yeah. fight game Whatever. media patreon.com slash fight game media five bucks a month i do the dynamite show with paul ace fontaine uh it's, it's released about two two hours after dynamite is finished we do a thorough deconstruction of all things aew uh chris does stuff on the gram he's going to tell you about it now yeah, so uh, I did do uh, actually about a month ago now an episode of Don't Worry About the Government if you're interested in that, patreon.com slash DWATG. I also just got done doing a four-week lecture series on Jimi Hendrix. You can get the entire archive from me. Uh, I mean, look, uh, if I can just say so, I loved putting this together. This has actually been my bestseller, uh, and I, I did leave this basically kind of going like, Oh, it turns out Jimi Hendrix is actually my favorite guitar player of all time. Like it, like I sort of like. I mean, obviously, you know, I knew respected him all of this sort of stuff, but like I, I this this has just been a tremendous eye opener for me. I, I I loved this thing. So, uh, yes, I for those of you interested in his stuff, uh, I think that this is as good of a primer as anything you could possibly find on the internet or YouTube. As I watch most of it, um, so. Hit me up if you're interested in that. And, of course, there are always guitar lessons uh, available. Uh, message me on the gram for guitar, bass, music theory, music production. And, I, I mean, I guess I'll mention it. I am a music producer. So if you're, like, working on a track and want it professionally mixed at a reasonable rate, 
please hit me up. Wow. <laughs> uh, where? On on the gram? On Instagram. Sorry, I, I just saw some spillage happen or something. Uh-oh, uh, the kids yeah. or the cats are getting yeah, out of control. I guess, I guess it is time for us to wrap up the show here. Okay, we'll talk to you next week. Music. It's not just part of our daily lives. It's part of our wrestling fandom as well, and it has been for decades. That's where this show comes in. Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling, hosted by Andrew Rich. Hey, that's me. Each episode delivers a different topic with a variety of great guests, fun conversations, musical analysis, and of course, a heartfelt pun or two. New episodes drop every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Check out Music of the Mat only on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.